okay. Lock Talk Radio. Where's she talking again? Whenever you come out, you got a place to stay. 
one of those things. And it's like, you know, we need to do that for each other. Why? Because yeah. we're all here in the same boat, you know, like, you know, that whole quote-unquote starving artist. But we're all not starving, but it's always nice to have that extra help from friends. So it's it's mm-hmm. nice. So I will say I've always been that person, like, when I lived in New York, my friend moved from L.A. She dropped everything from L.A. Um, shout out to Caitlin Dunn. Um, wow. That's not her name anymore because she just got married. <laughs> but um, but uh, shout out to her. Um, she dropped everything from Los Angeles when I was performing in, uh, in New York. And she called me. She's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, she's a dancer in Los Angeles. I was like, you know, drop it. You should. If you don't like L.A., drop it. Come here. Come to New York. You, you could stay at my place for as long as you need for free for any, you know, all this stuff. And she's like, okay. And she dropped everything. She came. She stayed at my place for, like, I think it was, like, three months. And she stayed in my living room, and she never complained. She always did the dishes. It's like, I'm so sorry for, like, crashing your apartment. But I didn't care. It was one of those things, like, I have my one of my best friends with me. Like, to me, that's priceless, you know. Like, I don't need to ask her for money. Like, uh, if anything, I'm going to ask her to, like, hang out with me, you know? Like, like you're here, goddammit. You need to hang out with me. That's your payment. Like, you have to be my friend. But, you know, it's one of those things, like, and ever, even the other day she had posted, she's like, thank you, Laura, because of you, I made a life for myself in New York. And she has, she's never been happier. And she's been out there, I think, for, like, I don't know, six years now. Like, she's so happy. She's loving it. Nice. It's great. Yeah, it's great. So awesome. I will say, and this is to you, Matthew, like it, yeah. my, my thing is to anyone out there listening, if you need a place to stay and you're not a killer, you're more than welcome <laughs> to stay oh, in my apartment. If you know how to flush your toilet and put your trash in the trash bag, then you're all good. <laughs> well, if I'm ever up in that direction, I'm I'm down here in Southern California, Riverside. Yeah, you're more than welcome Okay, I'm yeah. not going to say that. Sorry. <laughs> 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 you know, fitting in and all that. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, you're more than welcome, Matthew. Anytime. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get down. Oh, Jonathan, you haven't said, you haven't talked to these guys yet. Like, how come you're your boy? <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I, I did get to talk to Jonathan a little job. bit. Yeah, I, I haven't yet, so I would like to talk to Jonathan if that's <laughs> Yeah, me and Matthew talked uh, right before the show, uh, briefly, because, uh, you know, the show was getting ready. Sorry it took, like, um, I guess we are just, uh, like, I started a, a new job and everything, and so having everything, it starts from, like, 3 to 12, right? That, that's, like, my shift. So, like, our show was generally on at, like, 12 my time, you know, nine, uh, your guys' time if you're all in like California and everything. But, um, so, you know, now I think everything's been pushed to one, you know, my time and, uh, 10, uh, 10, uh, Laura's time. Um, but, uh, what, what I wanted to say about that was like, it's really hard for me to set up the show on my, um, you know, on my phone and everything. And uh, unfortunately, since Laura's, you know, doing everything, handling everything, it's hard for her to do everything, too. So, like, it's just, you know. So it it was like a last minute. I mean, even though we had this planned, 
it was like a last minute get everything together and, and kind of thing. We gotta you know, work on that and get it get it ready so we don't have to do that we'd scramble at the last minute to get you guys on here. <laughs> well, but we appreciate it. all for having us on. Appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's great, and it's it's nice because I mean this podcast is still fairly, I would say, like still baby, still growing, but it's nice to kind of like you know always know that we have people that um, we can reach out to, and um, there's people that I've been on in the past that they have always said like, oh, we totally go on again and things like that. And it's so nice to have like a good group of people that now have known each other through this podcast and want to get to know each other even more. And even, um, I will say Jonathan knows so many people in the industry that he has even linked me to like some really cool people in LA and, and all that stuff. And they all, we all have talked on this podcast and really have just kind of realized, Oh wow. Like why haven't I worked with you before? And, and that's one thing, like, if you want to go, like, um, and it's for anyone listening, like, on our page and on our Instagram, I will say everyone that's on there that's been on our past episodes, they're fucking amazing, and they're all, like, just true to themselves and true to who they are, and it makes it easier to work with people like that, you know, and talk to people like that. And, yeah, it's, I will say that's why I'm glad I, I started this podcast with Jonathan, because it's kind of bringing all of us performers together and really understanding where we're all coming from because we're all in that struggle together. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, so that being said, to everyone listening, tonight is uh, going to be really cool. So I had these guys on last week, so you have to listen to last week's episode to know who they are. No, but this is, uh, <laughs> if you don't, if you're listening in now, we have um, actors, um, Matthew Newton and Max Troya, oh. and I, I, I gave I a little, um, I gave a little, um, because I'm not sure if you guys do more, because we didn't progress on that last episode, and I know that some actors, um, also produce, and they also write, and they also do all these things. I know, Max, you like writing your stuff. Uh, Matthew, I think you're, you're into writing your shit, and, yeah. um, so, uh, let's go, um, just real quick, let's give a little, like, on both of you before we head in. Um, everyone, this episode tonight is uh, Scary Story Night for Halloween month, which I'm stoked. And Matthew has some great stories for us. And I'm sure Max has some great stories for us, too. And Jonathan and I probably have some, some crazy, weird stories that we, we, we can talk about, too. Um, but I know Matthew has some ready for us. But before we get into the episode, I would love for each of you to kind of just kind of uh, tell everyone, reiterate, like, who you are, what you do, and if you do more than acting, and what is it that you like to do um, during that time. Go ahead. Um, so you guys get to decide who goes first. <laughs> you are, Matthew. You're, you're <laughs> the more interesting one. You let the best go first. Uh, okay, well, uh, I, I don't know if I'm the more interesting one or not, but we'll find out. Uh, well, you know, okay, my name is Matthew Newton. Um been an actor for several years, uh, going on almost 10 years now. I've been doing st- uh, stage acting, and um, I just started, I started doing film acting in 2015. And um, I also do construction work during the day and uh, for hobbies and stuff. You know, I like to read, I like to study, and, and I like to play video games. <laughs> um, besides acting and filming, that's my passion and career choice that I would like to pursue um other than that I'm just 
uh, glad to be here, um, privileged, and hope to tell a couple good stories. Nice. Well, thank you for that intro. <laughs> All right, Max, you're up. Oh, God. Um, okay, no, I'm kidding. All right. So my name is Max Troya, which translates to Max Slut in Italian. No joke. Google it. Um, I'm not kidding. It actually does. So that's an awkward intro. Um, so I have been interested. Technically, I've been interested in um, acting and filmmaking since, like, 1998, but I sucked a lot back then, so I haven't been really taking it serious until about five years or so. Uh, mainly just film actor, never done um, theater, but that is actually something that would interest me because I feel like those people can really. Um, it, the good. Let me just. I, I tend to ramble, and I apologize, but I just want to say what I really respect about theater actors is you guys get one shot. You get the practice, and you get one shot when you're up there, <laughs> and that's it. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, film actors are like, oh, do it again. I suck, and then you do it again and again and again. <laughs> so, you guys are the rockers. Uh, huh, kidding. No, I mean, you are, but I, I was insulting. Uh, I appreciate uh, your sentiment. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but my real uh, job that I am a production assistant for uh, Candid Camera, the television show. And uh, I've been doing that since 2014. Um, that's all I have to say about that job. <laughs> um, yeah. And <laughs> Woo! Yeah, so that's really about it. Uh, just, you know, I'm um, really hoping to pursue acting, you know, as a, as a career. I think that'd be amazing. And I try to keep busy by doing whatever I can that's creative. You know, whether that's yeah. editing or um, I think I mentioned last week is creating stupid comics online as, you know, for little, almost right. like little scenes and all that kind of stuff. Just something that keeps my brain going. And so that's basically kind of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's great. I, and that's one thing is like nowadays we all have to kind of obviously be doing something other than what we're doing, you know, as far as acting. But, you know, it all helps and it all kind of keeps us sane, I think, hopefully. Keeps us sane. But on that same note, um, let's get started. I would love to kind of dive in and dive into our first story with Matthew. So I would love, Matthew, kind of just take it away and um you know, be a little host on your own and get, you know, scare us. Tell us a little story. Do you want story. a theme song? Or no? Okay. <laughs> I, I can provide one right now. Okay, one second. YouTube. Okay, hold on. So somebody stall, quick. Somebody stall. Okay, that's all. Uh, okay, so we're going to use theme song. How about we, before we start the theme song, how about Matthew lead us into what what would you title this story if you were given a title, your first story you would tell us? I would call it, again, these are, uh, just real quick, these are stories that I remember from back in my youth that I've heard from either uh, old storytellers or I've read books. So um, if there's copyrights on these, I don't own the copyright monetation on any of these things, and uh, I'm using these out of memory and embellishing where I forgot other parts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. So this theme song might go too long, but I, I'll try not to. It just, it's really good, and, like, I hate to shut it off early, but what the hell. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 
and then looks down at his feet and begins to hum an old Irish hymn that his grandmother used to sing to him. The words, long forgotten, only the melody remains in his alcohol-eroded memory. Becoming slightly annoyed, the devil growls, Hurry up and make your decision. I do not have all day. Jack, smirking, looks at the devil and says, I want a crucifix. What? Perplexed, the devil questions, Why would you want such a thing? Jack says back to the devil, Well, now that ain't none of your business, and that ain't part of the deal to tell you what I want and why I want it, but you just got to give me what I want, and what I want is a crucifix, a small one that fits around my neck. The devil now... Letting his annoyance become anger is bewildered and insulted by such a request from such a person and angrily growls back at Stingy Jack, you have your bottomless bucket of ale and you have your rotten apple tree. That is more than enough for you to get your... That is more than enough for you to perform your duty. You'll have to get your crucifix on your own. Amusingly, Jack thinks to himself, fine, I'll get crucifix on my own, and then looking up towards the devil, he declares, very well, I will take what I wish for, and I will become the worst creature to ever grace God's existence. You devil shall have no place anymore, for I shall surpass you. Uh, Drunken with the crucifix, says the devil, will surpass me. (laughs) Arrogantly, as he fades away in a pale yellow fire, as Jack begins to walk away, he hears a disembodied voice speak out from the flame. Oh, and one more thing, Jack. You have ten years, ten years to prove your wickedness, and then I shall come to collect your soul. (laughs) Wow. As the years go by, Jack becomes the most rotten, awful, despicable, meanest person that you could ever think of, getting drunker than he's ever been off his barrel of ale, and howling with devilish laughter any time a poor young unsuspecting child thinks to grab an apple from his tree. Well, ten years goes by, and the devil sitting up in hell decides, you know, I really don't feel like dealing with that old drunk. I'm going to send one of my youngest sons to go deal with him. So he sends his youngest son, Mephistopheles, to go and collect the debts. One day, Jack is sitting on his porch, swinging back and forth in his rocking chair, sipping on his cup of delicious fresh ale. And up the road comes O Metastopheles. Jack, seeing him coming, is undeterred and continues to rock in his chair and sip on his ale. The time has come, Jack. I am here to collect my father's debt. The little devil hissed with enjoyment. Couldn't do it himself, could he? Sent the boy to do a man's job. Already that makes me better and worse than you, devil. He insanely shouted at the sky. Because I did all my dirty work myself. Mm -hmm. Slightly annoyed, the little devil says to Jack, "Hmm, Yes, well, anyways, it's time to go, shall we? At which point Jack says, Hold on now, my boy. Metastopheles becoming annoyed at the thought of being called boy by a mortal knowing he's been living for eons before this drunken swallower man was even thought of being conceived. You dare call me boy? Me, the prince of the fifth ruler of hell? How dare you presume to? I I wish, uh, I, yeah, I know, I know, prince ruler of hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is that we have a drink before we go. I'm all about that. A drink, the little devil says. A drink, the little devil says. Yeah, one for the road, Jack says, sly and cunning as ever. And so they go and they grab a cup from the bottomless barrel and begin to have a drink. The little devil finishes the cup and says, okay, now it's time to go. At which point Jack says, hold on now. I bet you couldn't drink this entire barrel empty. 
what did you say? The devil said, you heard me, said Jack. I said, I bet you cannot drink this entire barrel of ale till there's not one drop left. Now, you see, Metistopheles did not know about the three wishes that his father, the devil, had offered to Stingy Jack, and therefore did not know that this was an infinite barrel of ale. And as they both drank into the night, Stingy Jack was able to drink the little devil under the table to the point that Metistopheles got so drunk and passed out that Jack proceeded to pour a bucket of tar all over the little devil and covered him with feathers. And when Metistopheles awoke from his drunken stupor and realized... His humorous fate, Jack howled with laughter, saying, You used to look like a devil, and now you look like a red looster. (laughs) Angry, humiliated, and defeated, the little devil slumps his way home with his tail between his legs. The next day, Jack is out picking apples from his tree, and he notices another devil coming up the road, much bigger. There's a lot of apple picking. The next day, Jack is out picking out picking his apples, and from the tree, he notices another devil coming up the road, much bigger and much meaner than the devil that came the night before. Jack, still being Jack, was undaunted and continued picking his apples. Of course. Hey, you! Are you stingy, Jack? The bigger devil yeah. is. All right, be stingy, Jack, you ugly SOB. Who the heck are you? I am Azazel, the oldest spawn of Satan. I heard what you did to my little brother, Metastopheles, and I am here to get revenge and to collect my father's debt. Oh, no. Jack, without flinching, snarks back to the demon. Boy, I'm not afraid of you. What are you going to do, beat me with a stick off my apple tree? I guess so. The demon, again, not knowing anything of the tree's wishes, laughs and says, of the three wishes, laughs and says, I just made beat you to death with it, and goes to grab a branch off the apple tree, at which point the tree grabs the demon, pulls it up into the branches, and begins thrashing it around violently, throwing it all around, crashing it on the ground over and over again, throwing it up in the air. It was like a blender of apples and branches and leaves. Eventually spitting the demon out, Azazel sent running for his life back to hell with his tail between his legs, humiliated, broken, and defeated. Jack, all the while howling and laughing at the top of his lungs, yelling, You tell your pappy to come see me in another ten years and I'll be ready for him. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. And ten years. Later to the date, when Jack originally struck his deal, he found himself once again in Satan's presence. Jack happened upon Satan in the same setting as before. However, Jack was now old and feeble, and upon seeing the same dead corpse that he saw so many years ago, he seemingly accepted it as it was his time to go to hell for good. As Satan prepared to take him to hell, Jack asked if he could have but one apple to feed his starving belly. The devil says, one last request. Go ahead, fetch your apple. Jack, being old and feeble, begs the devil, please, I am old and could no longer climb the tree. And all the good apples are at the top. Please, I wish one more good apple to satisfy my belly. Please, I beg you, fetch it for me. And foolishly, Satan once again agrees to his request as the devil himself forgot about the three wishes that he had given Jack. And as Satan climbed up the branch of the apple tree, it began to thrust him around and slam him around and tear him up like he had done before. However, just as Satan tried to flee from the clutches of the terrible apple tree, Jack surrounded the base of the tree with crucifixes. And Satan, frustrated at the fact that he had been entrapped, demanded his release. And so Jake 
or Jack made a demand and said that his soul should never be taken by Satan into hell. And Satan uh-huh. agreed and was set free. Well, wow. as the years went on, eventually the drinking took its toll on old Jack and he died. And as Jack's soul prepared to enter heaven through the gates, through the pearly white gates, St. Peter stood there and he was stopped. And Jake, Jack was asked by St. Peter what his name was, and Jack responded with Stingy Jack. Peter, looking on the list of souls, mutters to himself and says, hmm, I see. Well, this is not good, Jack. Peter says sternly, because of your sinful lifestyle and deceitfulness and drinking, you cannot be allowed into heaven. Jack, prideful as ever, shrugs his shoulders and turns and says, the ale probably isn't that good here anyway. Spits on the ground and then goes towards the gates of hell. As he approaches the gates of hell, the two sons of Satan, Metastopheles and Azazel, whom he had counted before, were standing there at the gate and had seen him coming and were filled with fear and they began to tremble and they ran back to tell their father that the evil Jack is approaching the gate. Satan approaches the gate and looks scornfully at Jack and says, What do you want, you foul drunk? Jack declares, I have been barred from heaven and I petition a spot of my own here in hell. However, Satan, however, Satan, fulfilling his obligation to Jack, said, I cannot take your soul. And now Jack would have to roam around as a disembodied spirit between heaven and hell, never truly living or truly dying. To warn others, he gave Jack a fiery coal, marking him a denizen of the netherworld. And from that day on until eternity's end, until eternity's end, excuse me, Jack is doomed to roam the world between the planes of good and evil. Jack, standing there looking into the abyss, began to feel the one emotion he had not felt in a very long time. Fear. The devil, taking a small bit of pity upon him, grabs a small gourd or pumpkin, hollows it out, takes the coal and places it in the pumpkin and hands it to Jack and says, This shall be your lantern to light your path, the only light that you will ever know from here until eternity. And so Jack began to wander, stuck between the realms, forever alone. Only him and his Jack O'Lantern. The uh, end. Ooh. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I, I feel like I've never heard good. that story. I've never heard that story from when I was a kid. Has any, really? have any of you heard that story? No. Never. Nobody, no. Nobody. No. Yeah, no. Have you? I've never heard it. But that was. I. You know, and it's funny because I feel. I feel like obviously it's the story of the jackal, jackal answer, right? It's an old I, Irish I tale. Yeah. It's an old Irish tale. Ooh. Right. I love that. So that's probably why I haven't heard of it. But that's kind of <laughs> cool. I mean, I. I'm not Irish. But I have a lot of people in my life that are Irish that would definitely probably know this story then. So I have to I have to ask because this <laughs> I actually love that I actually love that story I I don't know why. Well, thank you. I thank liked you. it. It was cute. <laughs> yeah, it was so cute. What did you guys think of it? I liked, and I think your presentation of it made it even better. That you did the voices <laughs> and everything like that was so like well, I got it. I got it. I just, yeah. It, it, that was awesome. Well, I'm so thinking how my couch all like cuddled. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm being told a, a story from, 
you know, my late uncle or something, or you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, this is cool. I'm, I'm sitting here like, like from your late uncle, like while he's dead. <laughs>
oh, what a night, late December back in 63. No, but he did not say that. He said instead, <laughs> he walked in and he was complaining how it's been a long night. So eventually, Laura, just, not Laura, that's just made up. I just totally screwed it up. Nope, it's Mary. It's Mary, <laughs> Mary. Mary, damn it. But she, her middle name is Laura. Quiet. Mary decided that she was having quite a long night after all the movies getting shown and all that. So she just kind of wanted to take a break and leave all the work to the new guy, you know. So, of course. Yes, happens to everybody. So she decides, hey, think you can handle this on your own? And he says, yeah, go ahead. Thanks for showing me the ropes. And she says, so she walks away and says, know how to reach me. And they... Little, they wave to each other, and she suddenly goes to the break room to lay down and leaves Stephen all alone. So, Stephen does his closing duties, you know. He uh, throws the garbage away and does all the other stuff, and he begins to sweep the floor. And as he's sweeping the floor, he thinks everybody's gone, right? All the customers are gone. The only people who are in there are Stephen and Mary, the workers. But little did uh, Stephen know... He was not alone that night. <laughs> so, that's not where it is. I'm sorry, I've got to keep the music up and I ruined it. Um, so, he was not alone that night because he heard one of the uh, theaters playing a movie and he thought, what the hell? So he walks over there and gets a little closer thinking, who oh, could possibly be in that theater? So as he opens it, he shines his flashlight, and he says, hello. And he's looking around. And as he's looking around, he looks at the theater, and he sees this uh, snuff film. Uh, don't Google it. You'll be freaked out. So he, he watches. He's, he's looking at the snuff film being played, right? Wait, wait, wait. wait. For, viewers, for viewers listening, what's a snuff huh? film? What's the stuff uh, stuff, yeah. Well, don't 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 look it up on the dark web because they probably have it. But let's just say, for example, snuff film is kind of like a torture film where it's based off, you know, they're they're filming somebody getting tortured and stuff, and uh, having fun with it, a little bit of playing with it. And the other person's like, hey, don't kill me, you know, hey, I got a family and stuff like that, you know. He's Stop doing it. the whole James Bond thing, or whatever. Stop it right he's now. Not, James Bond. Is, I'm sorry. <laughs> This is getting weird. So, but isn't a snuff so, film where someone really dies in the film? In in real life, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot so to he enters the theater. And yeah, so he enters the playing. theater. <laughs> he sees a film yeah, so of someone being graphically tortured to death. Oh, yeah. this is crazy. Most likely he's going to die, you know. I mean, this isn't something that Eli Roth made. No, 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 no. 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 This is something that somebody else made, but we don't know who. So anyway, Stephen continues to look through the theater and thinks, hello, and he's looking, he's looking all for this person. Like, who, who turned it on? Which one of you pranksters are doing that? So eventually, as he's about to give up, he sees somebody sitting in one of the seats. And this man was wearing a white long coat. And this had, looks all pale and some dark around his eyes and a beard like Abraham Lincoln. And he decides to approach this guy because, you know, this would be closed, right? Why, why would you want somebody to be in there when you try to close? So he approaches him and says, hey, get out of here. He says something <laughs> different, but I'm 
don't remember the line. He tells him to get out, and as he does, he hears screaming coming from the movie theater, from the, the screen. That's what it's called, the screen. And he looks, and he sees the person that he saw in the, in the uh, movie before getting stabbed to death and people laughing who are, watching, who are uh, filming it. And he freaks them out. He says, what kind of – did you put this on? And as, he's, as he turns to the guy and asks if he put it on, the man is no longer there. So he decides, okay, this is weird. And he doesn't know what to do. So what does he do? He calls uh, he calls Mary. Oh, Mary, the girl, the girl that apparently blew him off to do all yes. the work. So he's been doing he, all the work. Where's Mary at this point? What has she been doing? Well, well, Mary this whole time has been laying down because she is exhausted, you know, and and she's worked there for a while. Stephen's only been there for like a week. Mary's been there for like way too long. Like she should probably find a new job because she's a little too old to be working there. So. <laughs> um, so, so he calls her up on the radio, on the radio, and he says, "Mary, are you there?" And she, she was asleep, right? You know. So he says, "Mary," and he's being kind of rude. Wait, 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 wait. She was sleeping. She was sleeping or resting. Well, she was. She, like, she was napping. She, she's okay, pretty old. Okay. Yeah, she looks. She looks really old. Um, so. <laughs> So, so we decide. So we decide to call uh, Mary, and he says, "Mary," okay. and she says, "Like, yeah, Stephen. Like, we have a guest." And she says, "Guest, guest who?" He's like, eh, "It's just a old man. I'm, I'm looking for him." And, and she's like, "Great, need a hand?" And he says, "Nah, it's just some old man." And he doesn't say it twice, but he says, "It's some old man. I'll find him." So she's like, "All right, keep in touch." And he says, ten four because nobody says 10-4, but he says 10-4. <laughs> and so he hangs up the, uh, you know, he, he stops talking on the walkie-talkie thing, and Mary uh-huh. goes back to sleep. And uh-huh. uh, and as he uh, as he puts away okay, his walkie-talkie... Okay, okay, Mary. Mary, did you, so did the guy tell Mary that there was a snuff film playing? Because I don't see Mary going back to sleep if you're like, hey, there's a snuff film playing in the theater. Right. Well, he didn't quite say that. He did the graveyard shift, buddy. How dare you talk about this disgusting stuff film? You know, hey, I'm gonna get offended. So he doesn't want to tell. I don't know, that makes no sense. But so he doesn't he want to tell him what it is. Him, so he set himself up for failure because he was like, he could have did. He could have. Yeah. I mean, he could. He could have said, yeah, if maybe you can help me with what's playing. <laughs> just kidding. And so you know, so he really didn't even try to help. He just wanted to tell her. I because mean, look, every we all need a friend sometimes, you know. And he just wanted to tell her. That there's somebody in there, and she offered the help, and he said, "No, don't worry about it. Go back okay. to sleep." So right. she goes so back. So he's to in the theater by himself. Okay. Yeah. So he's in the movie theater all by himself, and as as soon as he's done with the uh, the walkie-talkie call, though, uh-huh. suddenly a shadow appeared behind him, and suddenly a lot of crash happened downstairs, and suddenly Stephen turns around, and he turns around, and he 
he thinks, oh, shit, what is that? So he freezes for a few seconds because he's afraid um, to go down there. Cause, yeah, so he begins to walk towards the stairs. And as he's walking through the stairs, he tries to turn on the light because he doesn't want to fall and can't get up. So he decides to try the switch, and when you know, the switch, the light switch isn't working. So there's no power down there. So Stephen grows a pair, and he decides to walk down there with this flashlight. And as he gets down there, he looks. And when he went downstairs, he noticed that it was a big mess. Somebody just destroyed where all of the movies on their hard drives have been. They just are all oh, over wow. the ground scattered. Yeah. So whoever's down there made a big mess. And so he he inhales and exhales, and he decides to walk through there and thinking, how am I going to clean this up? Man, are they going to fire me or what? So he decides to walk. He doesn't say that. So he decides to walk. <laughs> and as he's checking out the whole place, he's about to just leave and basically say, screw this. But as he turns around about to leave, he hears a, and he, he turns around and he shines his flashlight. And as he's shining his flashlight, he does not see, he's not a Nazi, he does not see anybody there. <laughs> so he decides to approach the sound that he heard. And as he's approaching the sound, he hears, uh, it's getting closer and closer. And eventually when he finally sees somebody on the ground, the man is crying and he says, Laura, what's he say again? <laughs> what's he say? I forgot the quote. He says, oh, wait, he says, he says, they won't let me go. And he's yelling, they won't oh, let right. me that's go. Right. That's what he says. That's yes, right. That's what he says. Yeah. I don't know how Laura yeah. knows this. It's based off a true story, right? So, <laughs> and so he says, they won't let me go. They won't let me go. Except he's, you know, they won't let me go. And he's crying, right? So Stephen doesn't know what to do. So he approaches him and he says, sir. And he's trying to stop the guy. The guy's freaking out on the ground, right? So Stephen tries to stop this guy and ask, you know, hey, look, man, you can't be here. You have to go. You're trespassing. And he's trying to calm him down. He doesn't know what to do because he's a new guy. What is he supposed to do? So as he's telling the guy he's got to leave, suddenly the guy stops crying. And he slowly turns around and looks straight at Stephen. Stephen's eyes get wide. And suddenly when... He looks at him. Suddenly the light, the flashlight, flickers off for about three seconds, right? And Stephen hits it because, you know, he wants to he wants to see this guy, right? So as he hits the flashlight and it turns back on, suddenly the man is missing. So Stephen freaks the hell out and he says, <laughs> You would think he's pregnant. He's giving his all his breath. He's just breathing, breathing, breathing. And so he keeps breathing, and it's, eventually he runs through the room, and he runs through all the mess, and he runs so hard he slams against the wall, and he shines his flashlight up at the door. And as he's running, though, the door shuts. The door shuts, and he, he thinks he's locked in there, right? He doesn't <laughs> because the guy, he's just scared the shit out of me. Don't ever do that again. He decided that whoever did that, I don't know what that was. Um, he decides to, to, to run through the, the, the room, and the door shuts. He doesn't want to do it, so he runs up the stairs, and somehow the door is open again. So, Stephen runs up the stairs. After breathing really hard, he decides to call Mary. And he says, Mary, 
I forget. I think he says, Mary, we, we lost him. Right? He can't find him again. So why would he say that? Why would he just say that? Oh, well, because he lost because he lost him the first time, So and the guy disappeared. He didn't want to say that he the guy disappeared. He didn't want to. He wanted why? to say the guy didn't. Um, he wasn't, it he wasn't scripted to say that. So, um, so he decided to say something else, but that's, that's, that's my excuse. Um, he, I think he said that. No, no, no. He said, yeah, Mary, we lost him. And so Mary doesn't answer. I just don't understand why he would say Mary, we lost him. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. I don't, I just feel um, like this guy. I feel like Mary and Steven. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jonathan, Matthew. Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it feel like these two people just don't know what the fuck they're doing? Of course, absolutely. No. What does it feel well, like? I think you guys are wrong. I mean, it feels to me like it feels to me. I mean, I don't want to nitpick your story before it's finished, uh, <laughs> but I mean, so, so far it feels like these two um, deserve to be working at a movie theater. He's <laughs> just kind of a leader. I mean, no offense to people. You know. Yeah, he's look. All right, I mean, but because look, okay. look, the so guy. Let's just the, see what happens. Okay, we already yeah. know. Well, I mean, I don't already know. I don't already know. You but I'm gonna predict. Know. I'm gonna predict what happens. I, I want to predict yeah. that these two obviously don't make it through this movie theater. Am I right? Well, let's see. Hold on. Let's, well, let's finish it. <laughs> yeah, see, I can't. I mean, you can't go. You can't spoil a, a story. Okay, all right, all right. Why don't you, you know, finish like, it? Why don't you finish it? Because I have this feeling. I have this gut feeling that something bad is going to happen. Okay, just go. <laughs> you just, you have an, I, I mean, you never know. It could be, you know, rainbows and unicorns. You never know. That's the good I thing about know. the story. I never know, but you just yeah, don't exactly. Know. So go ahead. I mean, if you so want to take calls... a guess on what happens, you can, but you know I, I, what I, literally happens. I and you do. do. Okay. I, I, okay. But I have okay, an idea. So I'll you, let you know. Okay. Continue. Continue. Okay. I want to hear what happens to these people. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yes. So yes, you do. Which they should be working at, but Matthew, I agree with you. They should be working at. Which means they got into trouble, and so now there's this guy in the theater that clearly is playing this snuff film to scare the guy, and now this guy in the theater, he calls Mary. Okay, what happens next? Oh, okay, yes, yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for reiterating it. So, so, <laughs> so Stephen, uh, again, so Stephen, you know, is, is walking, he's walking away, he's walking in the theater. He's probably going to go up there and just, like, tell Mary in person, because, you know, every time he tries to... And, you know, he tried to talk to her. She wasn't responding. So he's walking up there, and he's about to say, Wait, "Is Mary dead?" Okay, okay, I'll well, let you go. I mean, well, she's dead, tired. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so she's not dead. She's alive. Yeah, okay. she's alive right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. So, so as um, but as, so as Stephen is walking, and he, and he's about to pick up the uh, he's about to pick up the the radio to to radio in uh, Mary. Suddenly, he's like, "Mary, can you?" And as he says, "Can you?" The man comes out of her, and he slams him and gets the wall, and he starts choking him, and he says, "Then oh God, let me go!" And he's and he's yelling that, and he's squeezing the life out of Stephen's uh, body, and he's just choking him. Which, in fact, I actually did get choked. Oh my God! Too. Yeah, I actually did a little bit. So, um, uh, so he, he's choking him, right? He choked him so long that he dies, and he drags the body away suddenly. All the lights oh go God. off in the theater. Yeah, this is scary shit. So, 
So suddenly all the lights go off, right? And then suddenly Mary wakes up. Oh, no. Huh. And she tries to radio in Stephen. She says, Of course. Too late. Of course. Yeah. Well, maybe. But she's radio Stephen. He's not answering. So she, so she oh, does it again. Stephen? Uh, so she decides, Fuck this. I'm going to go downstairs. So she goes downstairs. <laughs> so she goes. <laughs> So she goes downstairs and she shines. No, don't go flashlight. downstairs. Don't do it, Mary. Don't go down the stairs. I know. Well, you never know. Maybe, maybe it's gonna be good. So she okay, goes okay. downstairs. Right. Yeah. And she and she's she's like she's trying to radio in Stephen. She's like Stephen, you know. She's kind of moaning her voice a little bit. Wow. Stephen. And uh, and so. And she thinks. Yeah. Yeah, can you do the voice real quick, Mary? Oh, yeah, yeah, Laura, yeah, whatever okay, your real name is. Yeah. Stephen? Stephen. Stephen, you can hear Man, you sounded just like I imagined it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm calling for Stephen. Stephen. Okay, no one's answering. What do I do? Where does Mary go? <laughs> so, Mary's not getting an answer. So, eventually... Okay. She she so she decides that she's gonna slide it kind of she's gonna slide against the wall right because uh, oh, you shit. know it, it makes it creepier so <laughs> so she's approaching the theater right so she's approaching the theater and suddenly when she opens the theater she sees that snuff film again and she's like and, and she starts yelling Stephen and how is she yelling Stephen We could make our own radio show. <laughs> and so, and so, what is so so so? Eventually, she sees Stephen across the theater, laying there. Oh what does God. she yell? <laughs> so she runs over to Stephen, and she sees him, and 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 she sees him, and his head is tilted to the side while the movie is while while the snuff film is still playing, and she oh raises God. his face. What does she it's see? Crazy. His face is mangled. His face is mangled, blood drained from it, veins coming out, his mouth is straight oh open, God. and you know oh right God. away that Stevens is dead. So she freaks out Steven. and she backs up and she screams. Oh my God. And, and, she, and and as she backs Yes. And as she backs up, she, she tries to flashlight and she sees who? Who does she see? She sees the man in the white coat staring at her. And he says, oh, I had, he says something like, I had to, or it, I, I had no choice. He says something like that. I don't remember. Oh, about Stephen. She, okay, okay. About Stephen. He had to do yeah. it. And so she's shining the flashlight, and she says, who are you? But she doesn't just sound like a man. She sounds like a woman. How does she sound? Who are you? Exactly. And she says it again. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> It has to be done or something like that. So she starts running away. She starts running away really fast because she needs to get away from this guy because this guy towers over her. So she starts running, and eventually she's trying to open the door, and the door won't open. She's frustrated, and she's scared, and she's yelling, hurry She's yelling something. And she's saying, and she's trying to open it, and he says, there's always more. So the man approaches her from behind, and he starts slamming, and he starts 
slamming it, and hold on a second, and he keeps slamming her, and I have to cue the music up because it's really going to be really good. And he, he starts slamming, and he's, uh, hold on, hold on a second, and he keeps slamming her, and he keeps slamming her, and he, hold on a second, come on, goddamn it, hurry up, cue up, kid. And he's just slamming her around, it's awful. <laughs> so suddenly... Shut up. And and so suddenly she dies. And suddenly it's oh, awesome when she dies. She died. Yeah, she got the, the shit choked out of her. The doors oh, open shit. revealing the snuff film. And suddenly the door shut. And little did they know that night that there would be a ghostly apparition in a theater that they thought was empty but only turned out to be the last showing. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. She saw the music. She had told me they never played a movie. Yeah, clap, clap, clap. Um, you said telling me this is the last showing ever at the theater. Um, no. No, actually the next day the manager comes in and his name is the manager's name is VJ. VJ decides oh, to walk in. And uh and, and as he walks in, he's you know, he's whistling. You know, he's whistling, he's doing this kind of thing and but he's the weird the part the is he's like, Another night? He's like, Yeah, Fred <laughs> <laughs> He's like typical night, bro. Typical night, bro. <laughs> we find out that the man in the white coat was actually the custodian. Yeah. Oh shit. And he made Steven do all of his tasks. That lazy <laughs> bastard. Oh shit. And let me just say, you can now see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's uh, there. You go. Where can you see, Laura? Oh, you can see this film called The Last Show with me and Max Troya. It's coming out soon. It's a short film that we are both in. Excellent. Yeah, I got to admit, I did not make it up. I'm sorry. I added my own twist with the janitor at the end. But, you so, know. Yeah, shout out to writer-director Anthony. Uh, me and Max actually met each other on this on this amazing story, which I think oh, awesome. maybe was a true story, but we both uh, were in it, and I played Mary. He played Steven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's I, great. I stole the idea. Yeah, that's that's how. Yeah, and I'm sorry for screaming and playing this loud music. It's probably oh. going to be so obnoxious for <laughs> listeners, but I had to. I was getting oh, so into it. It bothered me. Oh, it was great. Just saying, yeah. Oh my god, I love it. Oh, it brings it's me a back. Ten, it's oh. a ten-minute movie, and I took fucking thirty minutes to tell it. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's like, I'm sorry, I just more. kept. Yeah. Oh yeah, go for it. I I, I thank you. I'm just curious. Yeah. Oh, do, oh you mean me or you telling one? Story they want to tell. Oh. Laura. What? Oh, do I have a story? Well, uh, I know Jonathan. I have a story. Jonathan, what about you? No, not, not, well, I just want to let you guys know about a couple, I guess, I don't know why he hasn't told me yet. Uh, usually it tells me to have like 90 seconds until uh, the uh, show ends. Um, but I'm oh, I added 30 going... minutes. You added 30 minutes to the show? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
so I think I have time. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, because of me. That, I'm sorry. That's funny. No, it's funny. Oh, God, that God, that. Like... God, God just sit here waiting for the show to end. Like, <laughs> he's sitting there like, come on, we can stop talking. The show's about to end. we got to sign off. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, Usually there's this lady that tells us uh, you know, when we're going to end and everything. And it was like 19 seconds. And uh, a, a, a funny story real quick uh, from last week. I was not able to make it, obviously, on this show. Um, but last week uh, I was able to do the next show that I do, Fight for the Roundtable. But I, I still had the power out and everything. So I had to get yeah. – um, I had to get uh, Megan, my co-host, to, to run the show. And she right. had never heard the lady pop in. I don't know if you heard oh, it before, funny. Laura, too. So she no, was just like, it. yeah, she was just like, uh, you know, it popped up going 90 seconds. And she like, jarred her. Like, what? Like, this lady is telling me we got 90 seconds until the show ends. <laughs> you know, like, while we're in the middle of talking on the show. It's kind of funny. But, um... Uh, no, I have one story. I have one story I would like to tell. Um, okay, but it is, it is not a uh, true story, unfortunately. Not inspired, based on a true story. Uh, but it's uh, based, and I don't have it with me, but uh, so I'm going to have to make it up from memory. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, so the show, are they, uh, the, the, the the book it's from is from, uh, I think it's like, not Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but it's one of those kind of books, like Scariest Stories You've Ever Heard. I don't know if you guys ever uh-huh. read those books. I have. Yeah, yeah anything, I think but, so, yeah. Yeah, so there's this uh, really great one that I actually based one of my movies off of. Um, hold on one second. <clears throat> uh, I haven't been talking now that it's I am. It's not the one about the scarecrow, is it? No. Um, okay, because that's, that's my next story. Because that's my next This one's called The Initiation. And oh, basically, okay. so some friends, uh, four of them, and a uh, new guy, the new kid in town. Uh, because he's the new kid in town, they need to basically initiate him into the club. So right. they say, you have to go up to this haunted house. You've got to go up to the top room where there's a window, and you've got to hold this candle and put the candle up there so we can see it. So the kid's like, you know, okay, so what happens when I do that? It's like, when you happen to do that, you're, you're in the club. That's fine. So he's like, all right, cool. So he says, all right, I'll go up, to, up there. He's like, there's, there's nothing to be scared of. So he starts going up the steps and starts hearing a little creak in the steps, you know, he's walking. It's kind of dark. He doesn't know what exactly is going on there. So he starts walking up the steps and then he starts hearing something behind him, right? But he's not sure and he thinks it's one of his friends fooling around, right? And as he goes up the steps, he hears a big, loud crash upstairs. And he thinks, once again, just one of the guys playing a trick on him. He'll be okay, right? So he keeps going up the steps, up the steps, gets all the way to the top. And as he goes in there, he looks in the room, 
and there's a man hanging, or a kid hanging, a kid hanging from the uh, uh, from the inside, you know, from upstairs. And he runs. Oh, he wow. the candle inside. He runs down the stairs as quickly as he can and out the door. And he tells his friends, he says, you know, hey, guys, 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 there's, there's, a, there's a guy hanging, you know, and everything. And they're like, we know. That was, you know, that's what we were, you know, that was what was supposed to happen, right? So they call the guy down, you know, they're, they're radioing him down and say, come yeah. on down. Oh, they're pranking know. him. Yeah, they were pranking him, pulling a prank. And so he says, all right, uh, he's like, hey, come on down. Nothing. They don't hear anything. Okay, all right, it's it's okay. He knows this is a joke now. Nothing. So they go up the stairs, and they start hearing creaks and things they'd never heard before. And they go upstairs, and they look. And the kid had uh, was supposed to be still hanging. He was supposed to be, like, swaying a little bit. But yeah. the uh, the box that he was supposed to be on fell, and he actually hung himself. Oh my god! Oh, so he really killed himself know. on a prank. Yep, he really like killed himself doing a prank. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I don't know why that like really scared me when I was a kid, because like yeah. that ending kind of just made me go, well, it wasn't a ghost or anything that you know of. You know, and my and yeah. my uh, yeah, movie, the pledge. Right. There was a there was an actual ghost that caught you yeah. know that um, right. actually it's killed the girl. Natural. It was it was totally right. real, bound in reality. It's, it's kind of like a real quick short story that I also remember from uh, the scary stories um, books, which by the way are fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. It's called The Bride, and just real quick, just a quick summary is about a bride on a wedding day, and after they have the wedding, they're playing games, and they're playing hide-and-seek, and she goes up into the attic and hides in an old chest, and, well, it ends up locking on her, and nobody finds her, and they think that she just disappears, and then months later, somebody's cleaning out the attic and finds her skeleton in the chest. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. And so, uh, that, that's that was a freaky one. one. There, there's also another story that... Um, uh, one of the stories that really kind of re- re- uh, resonated with me growing up, and it was the story about Harold the Scarecrow. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that one. No, I never heard. Sure. Well, say I have. Okay, well, again, um, <laughs> Max is like, I can't say I have. He's like, absolutely. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Ultramatically. First of all, the only person that should be half asleep. Is Jonathan because it's like three in the morning his time. He's being such a trooper. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Good job for putting up with what our insane rambling. <laughs> okay, tell us the story real quick, like a quick. Story. All right, Harold. All right, you guys ready for Harold? All right. Now, again, okay, just to say again, uh, I, I embellished on this story just a little bit. I uh, changed it up, added a few things just, just for tonight's evening story. Um, okay, and I, So I'm basing it off of the story called Harold from the uh, books Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz. And okay. However, I have added a few things just to kind of make it my own just for tonight. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm not selling this. 
I do not own the copyright, etc. With that being said, <laughs> Harold, on a small rural cow farm in some forgotten backwoods, there lived two simple brothers, Thomas and Alfred. They had inherited the farm from the passing of their parents and had managed to make a simple yet good life for themselves. It was not without its problems, however. When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred would drive their cattle up to the cool green pasture in the mountains to graze. Usually they stayed there with the cows for about two months, and then they'd bring them back down to the valley again. They didn't own very many cattle. However, they did have one cow that they both loved very much, who they have named Beulah. The work was easy enough, but it sure was boring, all except for the occasional prank that they would play upon each other. But mostly all day they would tend to their cows, and at night they would go back to their small house where they lived, and they would eat supper, do a little work at the garden, and then go to sleep. It was always the same. The worst part was that every time that they had to come back down the mountain, they always had to go by Harold's house. Harold was an old, bitter farmer whose farm had gone dry, but still he refused to leave the land. Some say his farm, and even he himself, is cursed, and that he may have cursed it himself. Uh, In his older age, to make a living, he had taken up bear hunting and selling hunting materials and traps to local hunters that came through, mostly bear traps built by Harold himself. Thomas and Alfred had to be very careful and diligent while walking past Harold's house as he could have bear traps in any spot and have had lost a couple cows or a few cows in the past to Harold's wicked traps. However, Harold never fails to manage to greet the two men from his porch with obscenities and threats as they go by. It was always the same. Then one day, Thomas, tending to the garden, had noticed quite a few crows pecking at his fruit and came with an I- up with an idea that would change everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man, he said to Alfred. It'll be fun to make, and we can put it in the garden to scare away the birds. It should look like Harold, Alfred said in his gruff voice. They both chuckled and began to get to work. They made the doll out of some old sacks and stuffed it with straw and gave it a pointy nose like Harold, beady little eyes like his. They also added some dark, stringy hair and twisted frowns. And, of course, they also gave it Harold's name. Each morning, on the way out to pasture, they would tie Harold to a pole overlooking the garden to scare away the birds, although it seemed to have no real effect. And at night, they would bring him inside so that he would get ruined in case it rained. When they were feeling playful, they would talk to him. Uh, One might say something like, How are you doing today, Harold? How's the vegetables growing? And the other pretended to be Harold would answer in a creepy voice very slowly as they both would laugh and laugh but not Harold he would never laugh anytime anything went wrong they would take it out on Harold anytime anything went wrong they would take it out on Harold and they would curse at him and they would hit him and kick him and throw him around the room Sometimes they would take the stew that they had been eating and were very sick of and would smear it on the face of Harold. And they would say, how do you like that stew, Harold? Well, you better eat it or else. And the two men would howl with laughter. But again, not Harold. 
Oh, Harold never oh, laughed. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. One day, as Harold hung out in the garden, and the two brothers were minding their chores, all of a sudden, a horrible sound came billowing out from behind the barn. Thomas and Alfred ran towards the barn, and what they had seen made their hearts break. Poor Beulah had been caught up in one of Harold's old bear traps, tearing at her leg and hoof. The creature had become so panicked that she managed to accidentally break her leg. The brothers, being very poor, not being able to treat such an injury, nor transport a cow with a broken leg that big, and had no alternative but to put her down. That night, the two brothers were enraged, heartbroken, and full of anger. They took it out on the Herald the Scarecrow, and they began to beat the Scarecrow as though it was really Harold the Farmer. Thomas yelled at it and cursed at it. You took our best cow from us, you dirty skunk! Alfred, being especially choked up, said to Thomas, I'm tired of beating up this stupid scarecrow. Tomorrow I'm going to go give the real Harold a little piece of my mind. The next morning, Thomas and Alfred marched over to Harold's house and began to bang on his front door. There's no answer. However, the door opens very slowly, making a very unnerving creaking sound as it opens. Thomas and Alfred look at each other. Thomas shrugs, and Alfred walks into the house. Harold, I know you're in here somewhere. We got an issue to talk to you about. You killed another one of my cows, my best cow. Harold's living room. Harold's living room looked typical of an old psychopath. Bear traps lying around everywhere. The place smelled of mildew and dust. Obviously, nobody's done any cleaning in years. However, there is a fire burning in the fireplace, and on the little table next to the rocking chair, a broken frame that looks that what looks like a picture of a family from very long ago that does not exist anymore. Thomas, feeling very freaked out, motions to Alfred to leave, at which point they both hear the sound of an axe striking something very hard and wet. They both look out the window, and they can see Harold chopping wood behind the, behind the house, behind their house. Alfred, fear, returning to anger, heads out the front door and around the back towards Harold, confronting him about the cow and demanding to know why he's on their property cutting their wood. No, no. Harold, holding his axe with his hand, holding his axe in his hand, simply says, I needed the wood and I will take what I need and you won't stop me. Alfred begins to complain about his cow, Beulah. With a cold, cruel look in his eye, Howard simply chuckles at the story, or sorry, Harold simply chuckles at the story that Alfred tearfully relates. Your wretched, milkless cows are none of my concern. At which point Harold looks over and notices the scarecrow in his image. Looking a bit amused, Harold walks over towards the scarecrow to give it a better look over. Very interesting scarecrow you got here. Looks like the Probably the only, or sorry, very interesting scarecrow you got here, Harold says gleefully. Probably the only good thing on this farm. Get off my property, you devil skunk. Alfred yells at the top of his lung. Harold turns around. I spit on your cow. I spit on you and your farm, and I curse it from this day forward. Harold then spits down on Alfred's shoe, and Alfred, full of rage, grabs Harold by the collar. Harold holds up the axe to strike it down upon Harold's head. However, Thomas runs up and shoulder butts Harold. Harold falls down. 
For a moment, Thomas and Alfred are stunned and are speechless, and they notice that Harold is lying motionless, face down on the ground. Harold, Alfred cries out. Is he dead? Thomas asks. I don't know, uh, says Alfred, but I, I, I think we've got to get out of here. As, as Thomas and Alfred are getting up to lead, Harold makes an upsetting groaning noise as they both turn around to witness in horror as Harold stands up to his feet, turns around, and reveals the axe has been embedded deep into his chest. Oh, my God. Shocked and horrified, Alfred and Thomas have no idea what to say as Harold stumbles over towards the scarecrow. Thomas and Alfred could hear Harold mutter some sort of language but couldn't make out exactly what it was he said. And with the blood on his hands, Harold wipes it on the face of the scarecrow and falls down dead. Oh, no. In a panic, the two brothers decide to hide Harold's body and bury it in his own backyard. They both vowed to never tell anyone to their dying day what took place. Oh, no. As a few weeks went on, they were afraid to even touch Harold the scarecrow and considered even burning it. However, they noticed that the crows would not come anywhere near it. And so, after a while, they decided to keep Harold around as he did offer some sort of amusement and release of anger as a scapegoat when things went wrong. It was the same as always. One night, after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold had grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I just can't believe it. Uh, let's throw him in the fire, said Thomas, and Alfred agreed. At which point they went to pick up the, the scarecrow's body and noticed that once they picked it up, out of the belly area of the scarecrow came scurrying out a little field mouse. Oh, no. Thomas and Alfred both looked at each other and chuckled amusingly. <laughs> However, they were still a little creeped out and decided that when they go to move the cows down the, to the valley, they'll just leave him behind and... For now, just keep an eye on him. So they, le- so they left Harold sitting in the corner of their small living room. They didn't talk to him or take him outside anymore. And Albert now, uh, and every now and then, the scarecrow would grunt. But that's all oh. it would do. Uh. Thomas and Alfred telling each other that it's just the mice. However, uh. deep inside, fearing something much more evil, something so evil that neither one of them could bring themselves to speak about it. Maybe out of fear or maybe out of guilt, but they continued to live with the scarecrow. And after a few days, they both decided that there was nothing really to be afraid of and went back to their old routine as if nothing had happened at all. They would take him out during the days. The crows would have nothing to do with him and would stay far from the garden during the day. And at night time brought Harold inside in case it rained. And when they were playing... And when they were feeling playful, they would talk with Harold. And when they were feeling mean, they would beat him and blame him for anything that went wrong. Oh, of course. It was the same as always. Until one morning, as Thomas was preparing to take Harold out to the pat, uh, take Harold out to the pastor, uh, to the or sorry, take Harold out to the garden. Oh, he noticed. To the he, he noticed. He noticed <laughs> something that caused Thomas. Sorry. One morning, as Thomas prepared to take Harold out to the garden, he noticed something that spoke him with fright. Oh my gosh! Harold is growing, Thomas said. What? 
I was thinking the same thing, said Alfred. But, oh, my God, me too. Maybe it's just our imagination, <laughs> Alfred said. We've been locked up on this mountain for way too long. Thomas and Alfred would not be prepared for what came next. The I next morning, that. during breakfast, oh, Harold stood up and in the stare and stood up and in the terror-stricken presence of both Thomas and Alfred proceeded to walk out the front door. It climbed up to the roof of the house and then it trotted oh. back and forth like a horse on its hind legs all day long and all night long on the roof. Pop pop. Harold galloped and trotted along the rooftop of the house, almost driving the two brothers insane. The next morning, Harold climbed down the roof and went and stood over in the far corner of the pasture. The two brothers had no idea what Harold would or could do next. Being very frightened, the two brothers decided to gather the cattle and to get the heck out of there and to get back down to the valley the same day. As they prepared to leave, they noticed that Harold was nowhere in sight. Both the brothers felt relieved as though they had escaped some great evil, and they both laughed and chuckled at the thought of being scared of a scarecrow and went on their way towards the valley, laughing and singing all the way. When all of a sudden, and without warning, Alfred lets out a massive scream of pain. Thomas is shocked and stunned at Alfred's sudden outburst but then notices that Alfred has stepped into a bear trap. Thomas tries to pry the trap loose, but is unable to. Alfred has left his, t- Alfred has left his tool bag back at the barn. Thomas, trying to find some sort of stick or branch that was thick enough to pry the trap open, but to no avail, Alfred begins to start bleeding out and begs Thomas, please, I need you to go back and grab my tool bag. Thomas ah. towards the farm. <laughs> Alfred reassures Thomas by saying, hey, what's there to be afraid of? What harm can an old scarecrow full of hay really do, huh? Oh, my God. Nervously, Thomas agrees with him and says, okay, I'll go get the tool bag and I'll catch up with you. You don't go nowhere, okay? Oh, my God. Please hurry, Thomas. I ain't going nowhere. And I'm sure not to last long, cries Alfred as Thomas hurries towards the farm. About about 20 to 30 minutes goes by before Alfred, feeling dizzy from blood loss, is almost about to pass out when he... Oh, I'm I'm feeling dizzy from the story. I can't believe these guys. They're idiots. Okay, go on. (laughs) Well, nobody said they were the smartest people in the world. But um, Uh, (laughs) but 45 minutes goes by before Alfred, feeling dizzy from the blood loss, is almost about to pass out. He shakes himself back to consciousness, at which point he hears... Coming from the farm, a horrible, blood-curdling scream. That sounds like Thomas, Alfred thought. With a sudden burst of adrenaline and fear, Alfred grabs the bear trap and with all his might is able to barely pry loose his foot. It takes oh my part, gosh. He takes part of his shirt, rips it up, and wraps it around his wound. And he gets himself back to his feet, limping and crawling his way towards the farm. Alfred, coming towards the ha- front of the farm, sees the roof of the house and then clutches his chest. His skin turns white as he falls down dead of a heart attack. What? Oh, my as God. Al- I can't. As Alfred lay on the ground dead upon the rooftop of the house stood Harold, wearing Thomas's coat, stretching out a fresh human skin, drying in the sun. The oh, end. my God. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, first of all, first of all, this story is like wild goose chase with these two men and this and the scarecrow. And then for all of a sudden, the very end, the scarecrow decides, oh, I'm going to kill these fuckers. I mean, he's been bullshitting with them for weeks, years, and then all of a sudden it's like, eh, I'm just going to tear one apart and then wear it as a jacket. Like, the scarecrow clearly has, like, he's demented. He's clearly demented. Well, uh, remember, okay, okay, remember, okay, Harold dying, what was his last actions? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> his last action, when, when he took an axe in the chest, his last action oh, was yeah. to crawl over to the scarecrow, put his blood on the face of the scarecrow, and then they heard him chanting something. Oh. What was it that he was chanting? They don't know. They didn't hear it. We're, we're, this is this this is pretty much from their point of view. So. Oh shit. So yeah, it's like him putting his soul into the scarecrow. Uh, it's like child's play with Chucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Creepy. Creepy. Now, that would make a good film. <laughs> now, I would watch that. Hmm. Oh, I have an idea. <laughs> since, since Lawrence, since you haven't had a story yet, would you mind telling the story of the girl with the green ribbon around her neck. Oh. <laughs> That's a good story. And I think the yeah. I, I, I freaked like the hell out. Uh, yeah. It's been a while. That story is I, also from Scary Stories. It and is. It's Scary yes, Stories. It and, like, and like the story of the of the spiders in the cheek. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah, where she had oh, the spiders yeah. out of her cheek. And then uh, the one, uh, uh, was it Room for One More? I could quickly, I could quickly do a take on the girl with the green room, and I'll do my own. Real quick, take real on quick. It. How Come about on. that? Okay. You can Google okay, it. Okay, real quick. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Go. So this is for this is for everyone listening and uh, the men on this episode. This is about this instead of the girl with the green ribbon. I'm going to make it the woman with the green what, ribbon. Oh, so this God. woman. Yeah. So oh, there God. was once this woman that grew up with a green ribbon around her neck. It was given to her by her, because I've been using the word late, so I'm going to say, by her late grandmother. <laughs> and, uh, she wore this green ribbon around her neck for years. Her grandmother gave her this ribbon and told her, do not take this ribbon off. Please, I beg you, don't take this ribbon off, for this ribbon is part of our family. And if you wear this ribbon for the rest of your life, you will be, you will live forever, and you will never die. So this woman, she grew up, and she's like, okay, I gotta wear this ribbon because if I take this ribbon off, I will die. And she like freaked herself out. She's like, okay, well, you know, my grandmother told me I'd die if I took this ribbon off. So she'd always be humiliated. She'd go to school. She went through college, and was like, why are you wearing this ribbon? And because of this ribbon. She really had a lot of insecurities. You know, all her friends would make fun of her for it, all her boyfriends, all these things. And every time she'd, like, get into a situation with her boyfriends and they'd make out or whatever, like, her hey, boyfriend baby, would try to the, take off the ribbon. It. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they'd try it on too. She'd be like, no, don't take it off. And she had no idea. She never even tried taking it off herself. She was scared. She, it, was, it was more of just part of her at this point. It, like, was part of who she was. This ribbon just became a part of her skin. 
so she never really even thought about taking it off. So when these people would come up to her, um, let's make this gender neutral, girl or boy, would try to take off her neck and take it off her neck, and she's like, no, don't take it off. I don't want it. I don't want to take it off. Please don't take it off. Well, they would think that was weird, and obviously they would make fun of her, and they wouldn't Even like at the point. barber or at the beauty salon or oh, even, yeah. you know, like, yeah, let's try to take it off. And she'd be like, no, 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 no. Exactly, and she'd be like, no, like, no. So she couldn't get anything accomplished when it came to doing things, like, with other people, or like you just said, Matthew, it was like other things. Like, she was just like, forget it. I'm going to do it all myself. So she would always, she was one of those women, like, she had black hair, straight black hair, pale skin. She almost looked like Snow White with this green ribbon around her neck. And she would go and she would cut her hair on rain. And one day she was in the bathroom. And she looks in the mirror, and she looks at her ribbon, and she looks at herself. She's looking at the scissors, and she has a moment of cutting her hair. When she cuts her hair, she accidentally takes a little snip out of the ribbon. Oh, and God. she notices, I know, and she notices, she freaks out. She freaks out, obviously. She's like, oh, my God. She, she doesn't know what to do. She puts her hand over it really quickly. She, she closes her eyes. She's scared to look. She opens her eyes. She goes up to the mirror. She moves her hand. She notices the ribbon is still intact, but there's this light slit. There's a small little slit in it where she can notice that there's this weird line that is in her neck, like she, on, in her skin. And she goes to touch it, and she notices that it starts to ooze blood. And it starts, it's almost like a, the ribbon was caused a slit in her neck, in her skin. And that's what she thought it was. She goes, maybe my ribbon's been too tight. But she's afraid to loosen it. So she, she leaves the ribbon as it is. She tries to sew the section back up, puts it together, leaves it as is, and doesn't look at it. She goes, she goes to the grocery store. She's picking up things for her grandmother, who clearly is still alive out of all these years. And she's picking up things for her grandmother because she's taking care of her grandmother. As she's go checking out of the grocery store, this man notices her and tells her, oh, you have really beautiful skin and really beautiful hair. And they have this beautiful conversation. And she's like, oh, great, thanks, whatever. She leaves the grocery store. He follows her. She thinks it's a little weird. So she quickly gets into her car and she goes away. The next day, she has to go back to the grocery store because she forgot something. Well, she sees the man again, and he just gives her a note. And she goes back to the car and she opens the note. And the note says, look, I know that you might be uncomfortable. And I know people have possibly been talking about you in town. But I really want to get to know you as a person. And... I want to see past your green ribbon. Because at this point, it's been years. And everyone knows her as the green ribbon woman. And so she's like, okay, well, I want to meet this man. So she decides to go and hang out with all the law. It's great. Okay, now we fast forward. We see a montage of them. You know, they go to the movies. They go to, the, you know, the beach. They have a glass of wine. They make little sandwiches in the park. Montage, montage, montage. Great fast forward. <laughs> First kiss, montage, first make out, great. Oh my gosh, now we're in. Had a montage. <laughs> it's getting a little raunchy. I, 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 I don't like the raunchiness. 
<laughs> now we're in the bedroom. And they're like Oh there. no. Yeah. They're all they're both fully naked. We're all good But wait, wait. <laughs> but how is she fully naked if she has a ribbon on her neck? A bird. Oh yeah, that's yeah. there. <laughs> right. She's not clearly she's not fully naked because she has a ribbon on her neck. There so you, you see you so the montage fast forwarded to them sitting in the bed. And they have that awkward, like, the covers awkwardly pulling up all the way to their neck. So all you see on both of them is their neck. And with her, you see her ribbon. And they both look at each other awkwardly. And the man turns to her and goes, are you sure about this? And she turns to him and she goes, I've been waiting for a lifetime. Now, meanwhile, she's had this ribbon for a lifetime. I don't know what this ribbon represents to you guys, but I think it represents a lot. And who knows what this grandmother meant about putting this ribbon on her neck. But I'm a little freaked out. It has all kinds of depths and meanings. Exactly, exactly. So she goes to the man, and they start making out. We all know it. Yeah. In the bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. PG-13. Laura, Laura, did you yeah. the tongue or no? Yeah. <laughs> so, so at this point, so at this point, then, okay, so they, at this point, montage, fast forward, is through the making love. They finished. They hit it off. It was great. It was beautiful. They made love. It was freaking it was fireworks. Their first time. It was fireworks. <laughs> They're laying in bed. He's smoking a cigarette. She's eating a piece of chocolate. <laughs> they turn to each other. <laughs> and she goes, so what is it with this green ribbon on your neck? And she goes, honestly, my grandmother told me from when I was six years old that I should never take this ribbon off for anything. And then she tells me, she tells him about weeks ago how she went to go cut her hair. And she noticed that there was a slit in her neck. And little did we know, because I haven't told you in the story, but he is a doctor. And his name is also Harold. And he is a doctor. And she turns to him and goes, How is he a doctor? Is somebody whispering in the background? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like I whispering. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking me out. Hey guys, sounds like somebody's uh, whispering in the background. Anyway. <laughs> And so Harold goes, look, I'm a doctor, and I can probably help you with this. Maybe the ribbon has done damage to you after all these years, and I can help you if you just let me take it off. And if it wouldn't mean anything, we could put the ribbon back on right away. I just want to make sure it isn't harming you because I love you. And she goes, oh, that would be amazing because I don't want to break this ribbon, obviously, since my, it's so meaningful to me and my family, but I also don't, so they both are laying there in the bed, and he turns to her, and she sits up, and he slowly, slowly unties the bow in the back of her neck, and he goes to pull the green ribbon off, and it's almost stuck in her skin. It's almost embedded into her skin like a tattoo, and as he pulls it off, it starts pulling off her skin, and she's screaming, and she's screaming, and Harold's like, should I stop, should I stop? And she's like, no, just keep going. Okay. 
That's a good one. That's also from... Never just call the cops on random people calling you. What's that? But that's also from the scary stories, or it's in the scary stories. Yes, it is. I think it's... Yeah, it's kind of a what? <laughs> well, I was gonna say like it's it's insane how so many of these little stories still make their way. Like we grew up with these, and then they're right. they're still making their way here. Like you know what I mean? Like these are stories that are gonna be around forever. You know, these right. scary stories are like Disney stories. Like they just kind of are there well, and will be there forever. You know. Well, look at Disney stories. All Disney stories started long before Disney. Yeah, well, most exactly. Most of them, anyway. Um, exactly. And, they were uh, all kind of uh, little bitty, like, half-true stories from real-life people in history, if I'm not mistaken. Well, in some ways, yes. Um, you know, also, you know, stories are uh, – uh, the way we tell stories is – we tell a story, and then the next generation takes our stories and retells the stories in their own way, and then yeah. passes them on for the next generation, etc. And something maybe we can get into next time you have me on something known as, uh, if anybody's familiar, known as the uh, hero's path or the um, hero's journey. It's a art or form of storytelling that basically permeates basically every form of storytelling. It's a basic structure, also known as the monomyth, something I can get into uh, more extensively on a later date. Yeah, perfect. I love it. Oh, my God, Matthew, this is great. Well, um, I want to say thank you guys so much. This was an amazing evening. I had a blast. It was a blast. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed the stories. I definitely enjoyed uh, uh, your story, Max, and I definitely enjoyed your story, Jonathan. It was great. Thank you. And, yeah, it's been a good night. And, it's been uh, lovely. Uh, and I would like to get a link to the, uh, your guys' video. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. We'll have to post that one day. I know it's doing, like, film festival routes, so we can't post sure. it yet. But, of course. Um, yeah. One day, uh, But one day, eventually. I know we won some award recently. We won a couple I just love the way I that Max explained it. I honestly want to take the recording of what, how he explained it and do like an animation <laughs> of like literally of how he did that, how he explained it. You know, like kind of like those drunken history type things, you know what I mean? Oh my God, yes. yes. Including, all, oh my including God. all the pauses I took and like right. all the times right. that we were all talking. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, yes. That would be amazing. If anyone's listening that can do an animation to it, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to pay you guys, I swear. I will. Oh, my God. I will. I love it. Oh, my God. Well, thank you well, guys thank you so much. much. Yeah, thank you. and, like, um, this two hours, like, went by so fast. That was actually close oh, to wow. two hours, guys. Yeah, just to let you know. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, but we're all night owls, which is great. Jonathan is the definite night owl. It's, like, 3 a.m. his time, so thank you. And, thank you, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, thank you for being on tonight, and I'm so glad all of us could listen in to Matthew and Max's stories, and thank you for letting me and Jonathan chime in a bit. But, um, yeah, thank you again, and for everyone listening, if you don't know who Matthew and Max are, listen to episode 23. That was last week's episode. And uh, you get to know a little bit of who they are and their acting career and all the amazing stuff they're doing. And then, um, yeah, listen to this episode if you're looking for a cute 
fun night and listen in with a couple cute guys and a gal. Then, uh, then, yeah, listen to episode 24, which is tonight's episode. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for listening in. And real quick before we head out, everyone uh, give one last time where we can all follow you and find you. So go ahead. Yeah. You go first, Max. Uh, sure. Why not? Um, okay. So my Instagram is uh, at symbol. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Max A Troya. That's T R O I A, and that is my Instagram account Please. profile thing. Yeah. And Matthew, go ahead. So, Excellent. Yeah, my uh, Instagram handle would be at uh, Matt Will Newt. That's M A T W I L N E W T. You can contact me there. Also, I would implore you to follow on Twitter the Omni Engineer for updates about the upcoming web series, The Darkest Timeline, here very soon. And uh, you won't regret it. Thank you. Sweet. And Jonathan, go ahead. Take it away. Uh, Twitter at Jonathan Moody. Um, then there's Jonathan A. Moody Film on Instagram, and uh, just Jonathan A. Moody on uh, Facebook. So, or Jonathan A. Moody Filmmaker on the the web page. But I need to fix that. Also, we are on All About Acting, and I think on Twitter it's All About Act Pod um, because you can only have so many letters uh, in your name. Of Apparently. Um, I don't know why that is. Twitter is just a pain in the ass. Um, all about acting podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. And you, Laura? Um, you can follow me at Laura Jean Momer, my full name, on Instagram. And I forget my Twitter, but just follow my Twitter for now. And I will get my Twitter name for you in a flash. Okay, real quick. Uh, sorry, just, the Omni Engineer. I just wanted to spell it. It's a T. Uh, the T H E O M N I E N G I N E E R. The Omni Engineer. Just in case anybody was confused, please follow, subscribe. Sweet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thank you, everyone, and thank you, guys, to everyone listening. Again, follow these guys. They're awesome. They're so much fun. And uh, listen in to last week and this week's episode to get a little tidbit on who they are. And I hope everyone has a good weekend, and we will see you next week. Happy Halloween. Thank you all, and happy Happy Halloween. Bye. <laughs> See you guys.